Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane. Hi, I'm Sonia Larea. And we are excited to be coming at you today from Atlanta, Georgia for episode 20. Wow, it is insane. We're already on episode 20. Sonia, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just uh, looking forward to spring because now we are formally in March. (laughs) Yes, we are. And next week, the time is going to change. I know. That's That's going to be longer, longer days. Yeah, which I'm so excited about because I love a late evening run until like, you know, from seven to nine. You know what I'm saying? Then the sun goes down at nine. That's Uh, more. Yeah, that's cool. I like it like that. Hey, today we are jumping back into building a being mode based society. Um, We're going to be talking about uh, changes in advertising methods, closing the gap between the rich and the poor and a guaranteed yearly income. Uh Oh, we've been teasing (laughs) this one for a while. We like this stuff, don't we, Sonia? Absolutely. Yeah, we love basic income. We're so, so advocates of it and super excited when I found out, holy crap, Freaking Eric Fromm was for basic income. So we're going to talk about that. That's uh, today's episode. We're going back to to have or to be. And also this Friday, Sonia, something big is happening. Yes, we do. We have Amelia Pang, the author of Made in China. This is one of the one of the biggest books uh, out right now that just was released. Um, and then, of course, then we talk about having Sherry Turkle, who just released her book, The Empathy Diaries. Oh, my God. This woman is adorable. She is an incredible writer. I am so honored that she's going to be on our podcast. It's, it's insane, isn't it? That makes two of us. Really, guys, go get this book. If you haven't gotten it, you have to listen to our podcast because it's going to be awesome. Yes, it's going to be amazing. So uh, we've got two big authors coming on within the next month. One on Friday, uh, we're going to be talking about the cost of our consumption, the cost of how casually we consume. Um, It seems like it's cheap, guys, but guess what? It's actually not. There's a real big cost. And Amelia is going to help us learn a little bit more about that. And Sherry Turkle, well, she's just a baller. (laughs) What do you say about her? (laughs) Well, she's written so many great books, um, and this is just one in the latest. So we are going to have a nice chat about ah everything. She's yeah. just—it's going to be cool. Well, Sonia, you were telling me earlier that she mentions Eric Fromm in this book, The Empathy Diaries, a couple times. He does. I, I haven't gotten it yet. I was pretty excited about that. I mean, she is so um, well read, and she's—you know—she's just got these accolades of. Uh, achievements behind her so you'll see when we talk to her and this book is is amazing along with uh, the other ones that she's written reclaiming conversation alone together and there's definitely more behind those but those are the ones that i come to pop my head right now yes so we are floored to have her um if you guys again if you haven't if you don't know anything about her check her out google her i think you won't be disappointed if you like our content i think you'll like her her content as well Speaking of content, I actually wrote a blog post, my first one, my second one. It's called I Hate the Word Should, and it's on my blog. It's laceydelane.medium.com. So if you are curious why I hate the word should, you can check that out. So, Sonia, the last piece of uh, 
thing, piece of news we were going to discuss before we got into our content for today was that the stimulus package is pretty much passed. We talked about this on episode 19. Yeah. Um, it's close to my understanding. It's in the final stages. Hopefully it's going to get signed. It's got to pass the house and they have the votes. So, you know, until it's done, it's not a done deal, but it looks like it's getting there. And we're all very excited because we desperately need that package in our country. Yes. Our businesses need it. Individuals need it. Um, it's going to provide incredible relief for people that are suffering. So I'm a big advocate of it. For sure. You know, I saw a tweet by Rutger Bregman who wrote, uh, he's written a couple books. One of them um, that I, I haven't read yet, but I really want to, it's called, uh, what's it called? <laughs> uh, anyways, I can't remember what it's called. Humankind. That's what it's called. Thank you, Victor. Rutger Bregman tweeted that, um, this was one of the biggest uh, historical things that have happened in a long time when it comes to basic income because of the passing of the child tax credit. Oh, now, right. Please don't quote me on all this stuff. No, but I'm you're right. Talking. I've heard a lot, a lot about that. Mm -hmm. It's saying that it's going to lift 50% of children out of poverty, which I think no. is huge. Well, yes. you know what's huge about that? And I have heard snippets on the radio is that we're one of the few, maybe the only, I, I don't, quote me on this, but the developed countries that we don't do this. We don't take care of our children. Well, so that I mean, tells you. It's insane. And I mean, listen, I'm not against lifting children out of poverty by any means, but why the hell can't their parents be lifted out of poverty too? Can we just take do it for everybody, guys? Come on. <laughs> do you have to be a dependent child to just- Oh my gosh, oh, yeah. Come on, we're all human beings. We all deserve this, which is something we're going to talk about today that Frome said in the 50s, guys. In the 1950s. 1950s. Yep. Anyways, okay, well, we'll know more for sure, for sure about the stimulus package, but yay for all the work you did, Sonia, um, for the runoff to get our two um, Democrats elected to the Senate because that was a huge part of us even being in a place where we can say we're here right now and we're talking about actually giving people money. Sure. No, I mean, I was thinking about that the other day. What an impact Georgia had. Had we not succeeded, these things that are happening now wouldn't be happening. Nope. Because, you know, I don't want to get all partisan here, but there's another side that's not interested in passing this legislation mm -hmm. and supporting the themes that you and I are talking about right now, such as basic income, such as the child care tax credit. No, they're not on board. <laughs> right. This is a shocker. But anyway, hey, that's why we're doing the podcast. Let's make humanity a little bit more human. How about that? Let's do that. <laughs> All right, Sonia. So we're back to um, to have or to be. This is chapter nine, features of the new society. And I like to call it how we can move to a being mode based society. And the first thing he talks about is how all brainwashing methods in industrial and political advertising have to be prohibited. Yeah, we can talk a lot about brainwashing. A couple things came to mind. Actually, some current things came to mind. And mm -hmm. I don't think that if you've ever taken, maybe you have like a marketing course or advertising, they really talk about how our brains, you know, how obviously the marketers try to get inside of your brain, like with yeah. colors, with messages. And mm -hmm. there's it's like a subconscious Message yes. that we're getting, yes. which that's not going away, but 
for me, the question is, what is the message? <laughs> you know, what's mm -hmm. the message that you're trying to get across? And when you know that message can be damaging, um, which I think Freud definitely talks about, he talks about how he associates it even with um, addiction, you know, mental mm -hmm. health with this brainwashing. He does, he yeah. talks about it that it's a dangerous to mental health, specifically yeah. to clear and critical thinking and emotional independence. That's huge. Okay. All right. Clear and critical thinking. Fine. Like, okay. But <laughs> emotional independence? Yeah. Dude, you, yeah. how do you have a healthy relationship with anyone if you're not emotionally independent? Yeah. And you know what it made me think of? Um, I think that we all can say, oh, I can look at an advertisement or I can look at a message and say, I'm not going to allow that message to influence me. I could say that consciously, right? Talking about continuously, you know, say it's um, a subliminal thing about how you're supposed to be attractive or what you're supposed to do in life. Right. You're not aware of how really the brain is processing that. So if mm -hmm. you're seeing that thousands and thousands of times, that's embedded in this is what I need to do to feel better, right. to be better. So yep. that to me is, is damaging, like to, to women, to young girls. Maybe the image they're seeing is, I don't know, you know, someone slender and with a certain color hair or who knows. Right. I mean, that, that's a subliminal, that's a message that you get over and over again. That's right. That goes back to our last episode on self-love and self-care. We can't, it's very hard for us to love ourselves when we don't match up to the expectations that are projected onto us by society about what, what valuable is. Do you have blonde hair? Are you skinny? Do you have a small waist? Mm -hmm. You know, are you young? Then you're valuable. That's what the the this brainwashing says. And I do think that it is, I mean, it's kind of strong language what he's saying here. Like, I mean, he says these brainwashing methods are dangerous, not only because they impel us to buy things that we neither need nor want but also because they lead us to choose political representatives. We would neither need nor want if we were in full control of our minds. That's big. He's saying because of this brainwashing, right. we aren't in full control of our minds. That's a big claim to make. Right. Uh, that was really interesting to me. He talks yeah, what you're saying on the political propaganda of candidates. Yes. And I'm thinking how that's huge. Because when people don't even have time to maybe research something, which we, I know we've talked about this on the podcast too, um, mm -hmm. then you're just getting a message over and over again. And that can be a message that's inaccurate, obviously. It can mm -hmm. be twisted. And so you take away from that message really simplistic thinking where you're not thinking critically like, oh, this person's bad or this person did this or this person did that, where it, it doesn't allow you to analyze it's just that's the brainwashing. that's the brainwashing because it's the same thing over and over again and we get hypnotized he's saying by that which is true mm -hmm. i mean think about pop songs that get stuck in your head it's kind of the same thing you mm -hmm. know what i mean i right. mean and he says we are not in full control of our minds because hypnoid methods are used to propagandize us man this is this goes back to what i've said before like I feel like our society is set up and and the way we it is set up for us to interact with each other is to use each other. We're just here to to be used. You know, it's transactional relationships, Sonia, like we've talked. Right, about. right. And I was thinking when he says to stop it, obviously it's a big money, you know, involved in these uh, mm -hmm. advertisements and propaganda and it's not in my opinion it's not going to stop 
that way because you have both sides or, you know, you have different marketing and, and different firms that are sending these messages out and there's capitalism. But what I think back to Fromm's idea of remember where you have the community get together, you have, I'm trying to think of the term he used, remember when we'd all come together? Yeah, lower um, house, I think. I'm sorry? The lower house? Yes. See, if you get that kind of organization and where you have experts, then maybe you can break through all this propaganda or you can start um, maybe legislating to have less of this because mm -hmm. right now it's driven by economics, by money. Yes, yes. I mean, again, changing the values of our economy and society are what we need to do because right now what's the most important thing is making money. Who cares if humans get lost in the process? We don't have to live like that anymore. We can change our values and make human beings what are what is at the center. That's what we're advocating for. You know, something else that he writes in this section um, that I think is very interesting and I actually noticed while I was in Guatemala. Um, he says this assault on reason and the sense of reality pursues the individual everywhere and daily at any time. During many hours of watching TV, we could also say when we're online watching YouTube or whatever yeah, for yes. like updated for today or on social media, when driving on the highway or in the political propaganda of candidates. Okay, so when driving on the highway, that's what reminded me of Guatemala. I swear, Sonia, when I was down there, I remember like double the billboards that we have on our highways. Really? Yes, there was so many billboards. It was so, it was constant, 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 constant coming at you. Um, and so anyway, just interesting because it's like you're, like we're saying, it's the assault, he says, on yeah. reason well, and it's, reality. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure you've had this happen to you, and this happened a long time ago to me, but it's, I'm going to talk about the internet now, and it's almost comical that I didn't pick up on it, but of course, when I thought about that and I was doing something else, all of a sudden, all these ads started popping up for camera. And at first I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> you know, like I'm getting more information on my camera. Well, no, it's because obviously there's an algorithm that I put in there that I was interested in something. And mm -hmm. then the, the computers, you know, sends that back to me. But what's interesting is you think that you can ignore it, but you know, out of the corner of your eye, you're seeing that over and over again. It's almost like the repetition of that has a degree of influence. It does. Like you might say, oh gosh, I guess I really need to go order that. Cause like I've seen this ad like now for the past four days, you know? Subliminal can, messaging, man. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I we mean, are, we are, when he says assault and bombarded, we totally are. So, yeah. So to bring this little section home, it, uh, he's saying in order to build a being mode based society, what we have to do is we have to get rid of the ability for people to legally use brainwashing methods and industrial and political advertising. That's got to stop. If we want to live in a way that's really healthy for our humanity and for ourselves, our humanness, that's got to stop. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I was saying. It's going to be challenging, like I said, because money is what drives the advertising. Yes, it, it, it is. It's going to be a challenge. Um, and I think that's something that he acknowledges here. And like we've said before, it's just part of uh, the process of how do we get from point A to point B? We have to put we have to put the effort into it. It right. seems overwhelming, but it's. But we have to start talking about it, like what we're we doing gotta, here. Yeah. We got to get there, you know? Yeah. 
Okay, so the next section, Sonia, is the gap between the rich and the poor nations must be closed. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So what are your initial thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I know you and I both agree with this. It just, it keeps increasing the gap. That's one of the issues we're having right now in our country and around the world. And that's just going to, it's going to end in catastrophe because you can't keep marginalizing people, pushing people out. There's, it's, it's going to end in catastrophe if we don't start to close that gap because you've got the haves and the have nots. And there's such a huge disparity. It's not like we're here. It's like here. So, right. I mean, I think at some point you can't expect there to not be uh, some type of a response to oppressed people, to people who are living in a way that they don't have to live. Yeah. You know, like there's going to be, and that's what no. in this section, he's like, there's going to be some type of uprising at some point. There's going to be a revolt. <laughs> yes. The way I look at it. You yes. know, there's going to be a uh, backlash and it's understandable if you think about people that are struggling. I mean, we're talking about hunger, housing, we're talking about basic needs. We're not talking about, wow, I can't go out and buy, you know, an outfit. It's it, we're talking about extremes. And right. I think that um, the other thing I don't understand, Lacey, that for years I've never understood why people in this in the have are not wanting the have-nots to increase. It's almost like a fear because I feel in society, if we're closer, uh, where everyone has you know, food, shelter, uh, income, that you have a healthier society as a whole. Like it, it, the bad mm. hurts the people that have also. The more problems you have in society, you yeah. can't really, it's not like you're gonna build a fortress and right. not be affected by what's right. going on, like right. crime and, you know, pollution and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, I think I've said this maybe on the podcast before. I mean, I'm a huge advocate for ending homelessness. It's so stupid. And I'm like, can we not just find like some, some motivating factor for people who just don't give a shit about human beings who unfortunately are homeless? Like, does it bother you when you walk down the street that you see some homeless person just for the aesthetic of it? Okay, let's do this together. <laughs> let's yeah. end this, you know? They're, right. The point is, is like, it doesn't, it's not done in a vacuum. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. It affects all of us. And it's sad. And it, it does. And, and what, what I love that Frome says is he talks about this in a way that from an economical standpoint, he's saying we need experts that analyze it, which I agree. I'm not an expert in economics, but here's the wonderful thing. He says experts who have a humane heart. Mm. And that makes a big difference that you're not just looking at numbers. You're thinking of people. And when you're mm. making these economic decisions, they're coming from a place of humanity, not just a place of, okay, that makes sense. You know, let's do this and let's move this here. And no, we need people who care. It sounds like a, a call again for a step away from bureaucracy, because you remember we talked about bureaucracy. I think it was episode 14, how it, you know, drives everything. And it's like, well, the machine, the rules, the way things are supposed to go say we can't do that. But there's a human being in front of me that needs this. Mm -hmm. So we've got to shift away from that bureaucratic method. And have, like you're saying, people with humane hearts. Fromm also says, I wonder what you think of this, Sonia. 
that the heart, the human heart has to change. That's part of how we get mm -hmm. to this place. Yeah. What do you think about that? Because I feel like in some ways I agree, but I don't, I think that we can do a little bit of both, like the human heart and society around. But how important do you think that is to this whole process, the individual change? I think it's important. The hard thing is measuring that, right? Because I think you have people out there that do are deeply uh, passionate and care. Obviously, you have others that are kind of disconnected. But I honestly think we are going through a time period that people's hearts are opening up. It's, it kind of goes along with our last podcast about being selfish, too. It says, indeed, nothing is more telling about our selfishness than that we go on plundering the raw materials of the mm -hmm. earth, poisoning the earth, and preparing nuclear war. He wrote mm -hmm. that in the 50s. And, you know, we're talking climate change. And we know that's really a big deal now for um, people because things are happening. I mean, they've been happening, but now it's in, we're faced to it. And here, Frome is talking about how our selfishness and our greed brings us to plundering the earth. Mm -hmm. I think that's uh, insightful, to say the least. Well, yeah. And he, he says, too, that that's, that's about as selfish as it can get right there. Because we, are, we don't care about what we're leaving to our descendants. Descendants, yeah. And also, mm -hmm. hello, the earth is a living thing, right? The earth is um, a valuable resource to us. So we're oh. not thinking about that. I got to throw this out there. So for our fellow listeners, so I had called Lacey one night because I tend to listen to, I don't know, books or podcasts. And there's this podcast I listened to and I thought it was so cool. Um, a guy, I don't remember the name people. I'll put it on the chat later. Um, mm -hmm. He was talking about the earth and land. And what was fascinating to me that the American Indians didn't think of land as something you could own. It was like the earth and the water. And we, you know, modern day man or not previous to modern day man, we're going back. We, we, our Western civilization decided, hey, you can own land. Right. That is fascinating, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, it makes sense. And I mean, that's how we lived as a, as a species for so many, many, many years. Like it's not been that long that we have owned private property, that we've had the civilization right. run the way it does now. Most of our living time as a species, we didn't own property. We just, just you know, appreciated the land, lived together in groups, hunter-gatherer societies. Right. You know what I mean? And so I love that comparison. I love I, it. And I do too. I've heard Scott Santons talk about how that right there, and, and other thinkers before, I can't think of who it was, but so I've heard Scott Santons say that that exact point is why another reason why we need to do basic income because we are we have split up this land but it really belongs to all of us yeah so that's we, what's fascinating right yeah exactly. it really it really does and the laws are different you know in the states and i never knew this obviously when you own a piece of land an example was in scotland you you would own like acres the law now is if that land, people can walk, they can go through the trails, you know, the wooded. There isn't this idea of ownership that you are not allowed to even be have your foot on the ground, so to speak. So it's really fascinating how we've evolved to have mm. this possessive idea um, that you're talking about referring to previously. And I think that's been damaging because it's kind of like, hey, my land is separate from your 
and the fact is that we're all kind of using the same, like you said, the same earth. The, it's it's all connected. Right. Well, what that makes me think of is is like, okay, this is my I'm this is my land. I'm being possessive of it. Don't walk on my land. That's a very competitive, oppositional, mm -hmm. creating an other type right. spirit, which I would I think arguably you could say about our capitalistic system as well. Yes. Yes. That, you know, look, I have to have this. This is mine. You know, I have to compete with you. You know, I'm, I'm going to be better than you so that I can be, I don't know, whatever. And uh, yeah, and, and it makes everybody outsider and it, it divides us more than it brings us together. Yeah, it's a very good point. And so that's a fascinating, that's a topic we should explore further. But I, I was really, yeah, it's, it's such a cool thought. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting. We'd love to hear your feedback, everybody, if you would enjoy hearing more about how we lived prior to mm -hmm. you know, the onset of agriculture and possess possessing land. Send us an email, RethinkingHumanityPodcast at Gmail, if you want to hear hear back on that, or if, if you want to hear more on that, uh, mm -hmm. or any other topics that you'd like to hear more sure. on. Sure. For sure. Okay, so last section. Um, many of the evils of present-day capitalist and communist societies would disappear with the introduction of a guaranteed yearly income. Yay! Yay! From could I love you anymore? <laughs> I don't think so now. <laughs> oh my goodness. This, this is huge. And you know what's huge about it, Lacey, is that now, and even I've talked about this before, of course, that this whole idea of a basic income, which by the way, for people that don't know, has been around for a super long time. Mm -hmm. But now, especially I think because of the pandemic and things that have happened, at least in our country, it has gotten so much attention and it's becoming mainstream, yes. very, very mainstream. Yes. And do you want to give a basic, um, I guess, introduction to what that is? Sure. So people who don't even know about it, maybe have never heard about it, explain. Absolutely. It. Yeah, that's a good idea. So. Um, the guaranteed yearly income is what Fromm called it. Uh, a guaranteed minimum income is what Martin Luther King Jr. called it. It, it was what he was fighting for when he was assassinated. Um, a universal basic income is what Scott Santons and Andrew Yang, who recently ran for president, um, uh, that's what they called, what they both called it. Um, the core idea is that all persons shall have the unconditional right not to starve and not to be without shelter. Basically, um, that every person, regardless of whether they're um, working in the traditional sense, i.e. working and making money in exchange for their work, um, you know, will receive an income so that they are able to eat and have shelter. And there's nothing that disqualifies a person from being able to receive that, to be for that, there's nothing that disqualifies a person from being um, approved to receive that. Nothing. Because we're all human beings. What I think is so cool, Sonia, is what he says is that we do this for pets. We do this for animals, but I know. we don't do it for humans. Yeah. And, and I also love what he says that this is demanded, this is interesting, by Christianity and practiced in many primitive tribes mm. that human beings have an unconditional right to live regardless um, of their duty. You know, there aren't stipulations. They don't have a duty to society. We're, we're not putting conditions on this. That's right. And he also gets into how 
how demoralizing the way we currently do things are to like help people who are in poverty. Like there's a stigma that goes along with uh, sure. the welfare programs. I mean, I was just watching um, Netflix, the Selena um, ep- series yeah. on Netflix. And there's an episode, I think it's the first one where they go in to, tr- to like apply for welfare food stamps mm-hmm. and dad goes in and walks out because somebody recognizes him and he's ashamed. You see what we're doing to people? Why? Yeah. Just no. give people money. We don't have to worry about this shit. No, no, I, I totally agree. And, you know, for anyone who wants to do research on it, they now, there's so much data out there and they've done basic income plans um, across the country, across other, you know, not just the U.S. and other countries that have been successful. And the data proves that it is beneficial. What I love is that it's beneficial for mental health. People who have basic income end up working more, not working less. That's correct. It's really interesting. Um, you know, kids can go to school with food in their stomach. I mean, mm-hmm. people don't get evicted out of their houses. The list goes on and on. And, and then also, by the way, people, you're putting money back into the economy. Yes. Like if you have that, you can go to your local restaurant and get a coffee or go do, you know, the repair shop for on your car. It, it's, right. it's a no brainer. It doesn't disappear. I've said this so many times to people whenever we're talking about basic income and they're like, why? That's a big waste of money. I'm like, look, if I give you $1,000 of extra income than what you already have, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to bury it in the ground? Are you going to burn it? No, you're going to spend it. And even if you put it in the bank, that's still stimulating the economy. And what happens Sonia, when you go to the repair shop and you get those repairs done on your car that you've been putting off because you didn't have any extra income this month, what happens to that money? That guy is going to pay his rent with that money or he's going to go to the grocery store or he's going to go to the you know, restaurant down the street with that money. He's gonna, it's going to multiply throughout the economy over and over and over and over again. Right. And, and you know, the other thing that I think is a good argument with people bring up, you, you brought up the welfare state. The co- we have to consider the cost of running this uh, welfare bureaucracy. From yes. There's a huge cost of that, you know, with criminality, yes. with drugs, with um, all sorts of things, illnesses, et cetera. So you can imagine all the things that social welfare, uh, you know, we end up spending, we're, we end up spending millions of dollars. That's what people, I don't think they know the math there. That is so true. Of course they don't know the math because if they knew the math, then goodness gracious, we'd all be, you know, protesting for this shit. And that would be inconvenient for, <laughs> you know, the people at the top. But, but Fromm mentions this, Sonia, in this chapter. And of course, Yang mentioned this on the on his uh, campaign trail. Again, one of the reasons why I became such an advocate for him and his presidency or his run for president. He says, Fromm says, considering the present day cost of running a large welfare bureaucracy, the cost of treating physical, especially psychosomatic illnesses, criminality, and drug addiction, uh, drug addiction, excuse me, all which are largely forms of protest against coercion and boredom. There's some psychology for you. It mm-hmm. seems likely that the cost of providing any person who wanted it with the guaranteed annual income would be less than that of our present system of welfare. Yes, Andrew Yang did the math. It would be. It would be. And then people wouldn't be living on the streets freezing to death whenever it's cold outside. <laughs> I hear you. Well, you know oh. what? You know what the big argument and uh, firm talks about this year too is that people think that 
those people who aren't working are lazy. Yeah. And so what I find really fascinating, and here we go back to like power and control, is that he says this cliche has no basis in fact. However, it is simply a slogan that serves as a rationalization for the resistance against surrendering the sense of power mm. over those who are helpless. And it's interesting because there is a sense of power um, by not implementing these plans. There Again, it goes to the haves and have nots. Yes, it does. And uh, he does say later in the chapter or in that section um, how the type of society that we live in, of course, wouldn't want to empower people, right? Um, but I want to mention briefly here, um, there's, like you said, Sonia, there's many cities that are doing universal basic income mm -hmm. pilots right now. Actually, Atlanta, Old Fourth Ward is one of them. Yes. Um, and so we're yay for that and 100% behind that. There's one that went out in Stockton, California. Yep. A program that gave out $500, no strings attached stipends. And the studies found that these people didn't work less. They worked more. more. Mm -hmm. Their anxiety and depression or, or stress levels went down. And that uh, they, were, they were happier. Let's see. People spent the money on basic needs, mostly, 30%. Um, they enabled the recipients to find full-time employment, not to avoid it, which is what some people are scared of. Um, they were healthier and they showed less depression and anxiety. So obviously it enhanced their well-being, which is something we advocate for strongly on this podcast. And the guaranteed income alleviated financial scarcity, creating new opportunities for self-determination, choice, goal-setting, risk-taking. That could also be um, translated as, hey, maybe people who had a little bit extra money would start that business they've been wanting to start for a long time. Sure, sure. I have one for you too. You'll love this for people who, who are all about the economy. It was mm -hmm. just made public that Skagway, Alaska has been giving $1,000 a month to its citizens to make up for lost income from lost tourism under COVID. The requirement was that they must spend the mon money in local stores and shops. Mm. Woo! <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. to the economy. There's all kinds of ways to do this. And to be honest, I even thought about this while we were reading, while I was reading the section previous to this on the gap between the rich and the poor being closed. I wonder if that's something that that's a, if that's a creative um, solution that the, the countries that are more well-to-do could help the other countries that are not with implementing a basic, a basic income. So if we can generate some income, that could be given to other nations that are living in poverty to close that gap, that could be a solution as well. Sure, you know what I like about the basic income too, um, and from actually touches upon it here, is you have people who are artists, you have people who are giving to the world in a different way. And those yeah. individuals, that's not traditional work, so they could be insured a basic income so that they could do their art. Yes. And we need that. We need, we need you know, the creativity. And right. there are people who don't want a lot, don't need a lot to live on either. Who am I to tell you how much you actually need? That's right. And so that's what Fromm discusses here too. And I think this idea that we're all going to be the same, we're not all going to be the same. No. And this is what I love about the basic income. It, you know, people who are suffering and struggling are being forced to do things. Well, either they're not working or they're being forced to do things they don't want to do. Right. 
Yes. I mean, okay. So this was another point I wanted to make earlier and, and Frome mentions it. What basic income will do, number one, like you're saying, is empower artists and writers. And why are writers important? They're not important. Yeah. They're not important at all. I'm being sarcastic for those of you who can't see me right now. I'm holding up Sherry Turkle's book. We need artists and writers to have time to write and do art, don't we? Yes. And what about uh, abuse? What about domestic abuse? That was People that point. have to get out of their situation. They have no income. They're stuck. There's a lot of women who are stuck or feel like they're stuck or they really are stuck. They don't have any other resources outside of the man that they're living with. Um, they're stuck in these relationships that are unhealthy, that are emotionally abusive, physically abusive. And a guaranteed income would empower them to be able so at least feel a little bit more strength about walking away, mm -hmm. um, depending on how much money that they have, not to mention acknowledging the unacknowledged, incredible amount of work that many women do as mothers in a home. Unpaid labor. <laughs> That's right. Taking care of the kids and um, taking care of the home, which is this like, you know, when we talk about sexist assumptions, that's like this unwritten rule of like what women are supposed to do. And it's a lot, dude. It's a lot. Sure. And then some women do that and work a full-time job. Holy yeah. shit. And That's you know where I think we lose um, sight of how we're all interconnected? So you could have a child growing up in poverty. Now the child can eat. Now the child can get an education. That may become a doctor one day that's going to, you know, work on your brain as, you know, when you have yeah. Alzheimer's. I mean, we don't see, like, all the skilled people that we're losing uh, or an engineer or a scientist or a musician, all these people that we need for yes. society. Yeah. And so how do you uplift everyone to be able to at least have your basic needs, education, housing, that basic income people? Yes. Yes. And I will make, you know, this connection to, I actually just put this out on our Instagram today, this morning, a quote from Eric Fromm, which was, the main task of man is to give birth to himself. All right. Now I'm going to connect that to basic income. If you are working your ass off all the time and you have zero time to, to get to know yourself for self-care, for self-awareness, for self-love, to put pen to paper and write, to paint and realize you are a fucking awesome artist. You are an amazing writer. If you don't have time for that, how can you get to that point? How can you give birth to yourself? How can you self-actualize? Why you basic can't. income? Exactly. Why basic income? Because it's a pathway to us being able to self-actualize. How many brilliant people are buried in a nine-to-five job or two nine-to-five <laughs> jobs or three part-time jobs? How many brilliant writers or artists or musicians even music like why do we uh, why do we not value music as much like think about how much we depend we love all of us like think about how some people get through the day music. yeah and, and they've done studies i don't know if you've ever seen this which is really fascinating to me they actually took medical students and they started to teach them art art history mm -hmm. like things that you wouldn't wouldn't be in their um you know, on their uh, requirements of classes, and they found they became better doctors. 
Wow. Because they had to learn about details and paintings and they had to learn mm -hmm. methods. It's really fascinating because how we sometimes kind of define liberal art, you know, we'll say what's important, what's not important. But we right. really need, in my opinion, a very well-rounded education. I have to tell you something funny on the radio yesterday. They were interviewing someone from like an economic council and they said, well, what about this idea that Americans should pull themselves up by their bootstraps? And the guy mm -hmm. on the interview goes, well, that's fine, except we don't even have the boots. <laughs> there it is, girl. There it is. They don't even have. And you know what? Boots cost money, and so does strap. So if <laughs> <Exactly>. you, <laughs> I mean, I think that is coming from a an assumptive place that everybody starts out with the the same. Like everybody just has the same uh, opportunities that we all do, and we don't. Everybody doesn't have start out with the same opportunities. And again, no. a reason for basic income, because it would put us in a more even level playing field. Sure. Hmm. I don't, yeah, good stuff. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, is there a reason not for basic income? <laughs> no, I mean, the only pushback, and we've already addressed this, um, people could go study it too, is that, oh, how are we going to pay for it? We know that that's not, that's not a good uh, reason not to do it. We, we have the means to pay for it. Right. And there's multiple places that that can come from. Um, Andrew Yang had a plan for that that was based on a value added tax um, on the tech companies, which is a, that's a whole nother conversation and a whole nother reason why this makes sense. The technology element um, and the growth of that and how much Amazon is making versus, you know, other small businesses. And so and they're not paying taxes. You know, they're they're paying zero in taxes. So um Implementing something along those lines, you can read up on that. Um, I think Yang 2020's website is still up. This is not a like PSA for Andrew Yang, by the way. It's just he's had some research. He had some ideas on how to do it. Scott Santons also has a lot of research on um, basic income and why it works and why it doesn't cause inflation and whatever your hesitations might be around it. Right. Mm -hmm probably be able to find it. Yeah. And I'll just do a shout out. People can look up income movement. They have tons of research and they also have ways you could get involved if uh, it's something you're interested in and you want to promote that. Yes. Yes. Check and them out. There's a lot of, um, of places that are um, really promoting this now. So, you know, I feel so thankful for the hard work um, that so many have been doing for the last couple of years around this particular issue. Um, and, I mean, I'm hopeful, Sonia, that we're going to see this come to pass in our lifetime. I agree. Yeah, there's a, there's plenty of resources, so check it out. Um, hey, Eric Frome was for basic income. Here we go. Here we go, guys. Here we go. Yeah, um, I think we're going to see this happen in our lifetime, Sonia. I, really I do, do, too. I feel really confident about it. Yeah. Well, cool. So uh, Frome says, Frome says, let's close the gap between the poor and the rich nations. Let's just get rid of all this brainwashing methods. It's just not a good idea. It's bad for our mental health. We're not even in control of our minds as, as a result of it. And let's implement a basic income. That is how part of how, you know, these still still some left in this chapter, but that's how, um, you know, we get back to, well, not even back to, that's how we get forward to a being mode based society. So um, thank you, man. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Sonia, for, I always enjoy you. You are so awesome and such. A <laughs> oh, I see. You know, no, we, enjoy, yes. we enjoy each other. Hopefully, the audience enjoys our our uh, 
chats and also please people send us messages tell us what you think yes love we, to hear from you we want to interact with you more we're working on ways that we can do that and um if you have feedback on ways that it's easy for us to do that send us an email again uh rethinkhumanitypodcast at gmail.com we definitely would love to hear from you sonia closing thoughts um, let's see. I just hope that, uh, well, I'm excited about the, we talked about in the beginning of the podcast, the pandemic relief passing. Yeah. Um, that's huge. And just everyone, all the topics we've talked about today, let us know your thoughts or Google them. Um, yeah. Reminder, we rescheduled Amelia Pang. She was supposed to be last Friday. That's this Friday made in China, the hidden cost of our consumption. You're going to love that. I think. Um, I know we will. So we'd love to see you for that. That's live at 1 p.m. on this Friday. So uh, awesome. We are uh, signing off for now. We'll see you guys Friday. And we'll see you guys again soon for another episode of Rethinking Humanity Podcast. Have a great day. Bye, guys. Bye.